He probably deserved what happened. But just because you can beat him up, doesn't give you the right to. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. Hi there, welcome to the Three and a Half Walls podcast. I'm Austin Zwiebelman. I'm Jackson Morrill. And I'm Daniel Green. And today we're going to be talking about the Spider-Man movies, a nice little retrospective over what? The seven films that Hollywood's given us so far? Uh, yeah, all seven. Has it really been seven? Yeah. They've been making Spider-Man movies since 2002. How, <laughs> how old were you in 2002? I was eight years I was old. six. Six. In my opinion, this is like a science now. I was saying this to Jackson earlier. It's sort of like an element on the periodic table of Hollywood movies. You know, you've got the basic stuff down there where hydrogen would be, like horror, sci-fi, comedy. And then way up in the weird elements they discovered later, it's just like Spider-Man movies. We've been gradually <laughs> refining our science of doing better and better Spider-Man movies. The one that recently just came out. Far From, Far from Home. home. That, yeah. that had 17 years of research and development put into making it a solid Spider-Man movie. Movie. Yeah, it was solid. And you know what's really funny? Other than the Green Goblin, no movie has repeated its villains. Oh, shit. Yeah, they haven't done a Dark Phoenix, have they? A dark... <laughs> what? Well, you, you know how in X-Men 3, The Last Stand, and the new one that just came out with the Game of Thrones chick, Sophie Turner, mm -hmm. they're like, we want to do the Dark Phoenix story again, but worse this time. Because yeah, X-Men First Class was Dark Phoenix? Uh, no, X-Men X The Last Stand was Dark Phoenix. Oh, X-Men First Class was Sebastian Shaw, played by Kevin fucking Bacon. Yeah, because I was just like, I remember first class I remembered liking that but, but we're getting off topic sorry no it's... no, I mean it's technically on topic they were roughly around the same time and while they never actually crossed over because it was Fox and Sony there were tentative plans that never came to fruition and kind of fell apart around the time the Fantastic Four came out and then the MCU kind of wrote the book on cinematic universes for superheroes oh my god Fantastic Four movies remember those yeah uh... <laughs> there, were, there were two of them and they were both super duper corny the first one I thought was like the second one had funny moments but I actually there was a really point where Chris the Evans. One. There was a point where Chris Evans was naked, and somebody comments on it. And then who played Invisible Woman? Wasn't oh, that Jessica God. Alba? Yeah, was she it? had to strip naked while being invisible to uh, not be seen because her clothes couldn't turn invisible. That was a weird scene. That was a really weird scene. I remember um, <laughs> that might have that might have been a very important moment in my life. That may or may not have. Um, <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say about that. And oh, Daniel's boy. interest in film grew three sizes that day. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> it's also important to mention X-Men in this discussion because X-Men came out before Spider-Man. Yeah. Sp Spider-Man movies came out after X-Men. There was a very distinct difference between X-Men 1 and 2, but also between X-Men and Spider-Man because the first X-Men movie was the only one to come out before 9-11. Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah. 9-11 kind of changed the landscape because they were all tentatively set around New York and it kind of oh, was like, fuck. oh, yeah. well, we have to like acknowledge Shit. this and be a little less judicious with monuments being destroyed unless it's for big <laughs> Stakes. Oh my god, you're absolutely right. <laughs> because they had that one Spider-Man trailer uh, that they tried to launch where I think he's just dangling between the Twin Towers. No way! Yeah, you can find it up on YouTube. What? They had, no. they had a trailer that they had to pull where Spider-Man makes a web between the Twin Towers, and it's really badass. Holy cow! Oh, yeah. it, for the for the first Tobey Maguire one. I'm like 80% yes. sure Holy they made cow. it, and not even like three weeks later after its release, the Twin Towers fell. Oh, uh, yo, Spider-Man predicted 9 I was under <laughs> I'm not sure that's what happened. I was thinking that Spider-Man was actually going to be like released in 2001 and they had to delay it significantly because it was too soon after 9-11 to oh really God. make a movie that focused on New York. Well, that that's uh, definitely a theory. 9-11 also, uh, like withstanding, why do you think the X-Men movies sort of have this really colorful history whereas Spider-Man movies are generally like well, well regarded and it's uncontroversial when a Spider-Man movie comes out, especially these days. Everyone's like, oh, Oh, fuck yeah, I want to go see the Spider-Man movies. But then an X-Men movie will come out and people will be like, because they've just made so many bad X-Men movies. Well, I think it's because they peaked very early on. I think that the first three X-Men movies were good, and I think that diving back to the younger versions of the cast wasn't really something that people jived with that were fans of the originals, and so they kind of wrote the rest of the X-Men off. Days of Future Past tried to, like, make them jive, and that one was fine, but then they threw it all away with Apocalypse, and since then it's just been, like, Logan's the only worthy thing to come out of 20th Century Fox since Days of Future Past. It's just confusing. They've just... They've gotten so wild. Like, I, I've said this before, I usually find that when you throw in time travel into a series that you really have to be careful because otherwise things will get really freaking confusing and you won't understand the timelines. And for me, X-Men's getting too confusing. I'm out. 
Like, I'm just not following. I'm not caring. All right. I'm on, the, I'm, on the fucking, I'm on the fucking boat with Daniel. <laughs> I, 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 I wanted to hop right off when I was just like, all right, who's technically Charles Xavier? Is Jean Grey dead? Does any of this even fucking matter anymore? Yeah. And why is Wolverine the same no matter what happens? And God damn it. Yeah. In Spider-Man, they have, you know, relatively consistent, non-confusing plots, you know? Well, the other thing about well, Spider-Man is once somebody got too old, they just rebooted the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't try to, like, drag everyone from the old movies back into the yeah. continuity somehow. They're just like, eh, fuck it, he's Andrew Garfield now. <laughs> There's three distinct eras of Spider-Man. There's the uh, the originals, which were helmed by Sam Raimi, who I have issues with, but let's not get into that quite yet. And Tobey Maguire is Peter Parker. Uh, Horseman, okay. Yeah. And then we have Andrew Garfield, Pretty Boy Spider-Man, where uh, they were kind of focused on building a hyper-modern setting, and it really didn't jive with what the classical Spider-Man was about while still trying to resonate yeah. with classical Spider-Man. And then they found a really perfect middle ground by really just taking Miles Morales' backstory from the Ultimate Comics and applying it to Peter Parker for the MCU Spider-Man, and that's jived really well. It's very successful, as seen with the new movie Far From Home, which, yeah. by the way, we will delve probably a bit into spoiler territory. We've all three seen it, so yeah. just a quick spoiler warning. If you haven't seen it, you probably don't want to hear us talk about it because it's really difficult to talk about what's good and Far From Home without spoiling it. The trailers did a really good job of hiding the things I really liked in Far From Home. Which is surprising because they were, once again, lambasted as Sony mishandling the material and revealing too much. No. So, anyone who knows me in real life will know this. I don't watch trailers, so... Whoa! Um, yeah, so I... Or, if there's a movie that I'm really excited about, I don't watch trailers, so just that's... You, you just mentioned trailers, and you're saying, oh, the trailers did a great job. I can't comment on that. You managed to avoid... You, you avoided literally everything other than me, like, shutting promotional pictures down your throat and showing you, like, pictures of the suits. Yeah, and, like, I don't... Like, promotional pictures, I feel, are different than trailers. Because, like, you, one, you can't avoid it. Like, they're literally everywhere. And, like, a trailer, you can just close your eyes, cover your ears, whatever. But, like, and also, I, I like seeing promotional material because that gets me excited. Because I'm like, oh, what the hell's that? Like, <laughs> I'm just imagining you at a food court in a mall and the sample guy's just like, hey, would you like to try this little Philly cheesesteak on a toothpick? And you knock that shit out of his hands. <laughs> you just, like, walk up to the Penn Station and you're like, I'd like a large-ass Philly cheesesteak, please. Don't tease me. <laughs> and you're, you're just staring the guy dead in the eye and you're just like, I don't do movie trailers either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what it tastes like firsthand. You give me a sample, you're spoiling the ending. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, man. I, I, I got to disagree with Jackson. I grew up um, to the point where I actually had a birthday. You know, July 6th, one of these years of my life. I think I was like maybe 10. You actually uh, had a birthday. I had, I had a whole birthday where I aged a year. Whoa! <laughs> I, I hosted my in birthday at a, at a Spider-Man 2 viewing party. You know, like Ooh, I, I got all my nice. friends together, got my parents to shell out $5,000 for the three tickets needed to see Spider-Man 2, you know, with me and my one friend. <laughs> but but, but I, I have a very fond memory of going there and seeing Ray Liotta oh just God. fucking murder people in an octopus mech suit. <laughs> and I, I, I remember the first two Spider-Man movies very fondly to the point where um, I think great, uh, with great power comes great responsibility is just permanently, like, tattooed into my brain fibers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. God, so Spider-Verse did something really Sorry. cool where they uh, used archive footage of the original Uncle Ben actor saying that line in that movie just because... Oh, really? Yes, I didn't know that. That's the great power, great responsibility line that echoes in the opening montage where uh, Chris Pine is narrating. It's actually the original actor for Uncle Ben because I don't remember jack shit about those movies. My experience with Spider-Man, it really boils down to 1990s, the animated series. Oh, yes! I loved the shit out of those and did I, do, I did see... The first three Spider-Man movies through like 2007 in theaters, but I genuinely did not remember anything from them. I had a toy of Spider-Man from those movies, and that was it. Everything else was just like, I was basing it far more off of the kind of grown-up Peter Parker that's kind of riffing off of Batman and has a full-time job and is pretty much an adult in the animated series. Right, because don't him and MJ get married in the animated series? If I, uh, Fuck if I know. I had a DVD that had four episodes and I just watched those over and over again. Right. Everybody gets married. 
right in the comics. Looking back on the animated series, (laughs) if the movies were more like that, then we'd be more attuned to, like, what we said about the X-Men about Spider-Man. Because the animated series got buck-fucking-wild, okay? There was time travel. There were, like, multiple Mary Janes. It was fucking nuts, okay? The finale of the series was, like, uh, Spider Wars. (laughs) And it had, like, six different versions of Spider-Man, including one Mm. that was an actor for a movie, and they transport animated series True Spider-Man to meet Stan Lee at the end. Christ. <laughs> it was wild. Uh, I didn't really watch it on TV or anything, but I had a DVD series because my parents were like, well, he likes Spider-Man. I had, like, pajamas with the web wings and everything. Oh, you had those. Whoa! Yeah. Those were, I was cool. Those were See? Cool. Yeah. This is the only time anybody has told me I'm cool, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So, how does it feel? It's pretty great. Is it everything you ever wanted? (laughs) Yes. I can die happy now. (laughs) Knowing that we we appreciate you for your spider wing jammies. Yep. Uh oh. Uh oh, he's got a gun. (laughs) That was my Spider-Man growing up. A lot of people say that Tobey Maguire was theirs. Mine was the animated series, and as a result, like I had very hazy memories of the original Spider-Man movies. I again saw all three in theaters, but I don't remember jack shit about Spider-Man two or three to the degree where even if I wanted to recall what Venom looked like in three, I couldn't tell you or describe it or in any well, I way. I know I absolutely other people can. Yeah. And then one I only know because I rewatched it in college with uh, Josh, and it did not hold up whatsoever. It was an mm-hmm. agonizing experience to go through. And the whole time, Angelo was, like, bugging us about how great it was. It's, it's really not that great. It's not. Like, it's it's fine. I mean... It's a Raimi movie, is my yeah. thing. And I have qualms with Raimi as a whole. Just, I'm not a fan of his directing style or anything. Austin is side-eyeing me as if he's going to, like, stab me in my sleep, which is fair. Man, you haven't even seen a dangerous side-eye from me. This is just me listening to you. <laughs> this is really him listening to you. I, I'm trying to think of something insightful to say about the Spider-Man Sam Raimi movies, but here's the thing. The superhero landscape, the, the, the landscape of superhero movies, has changed so fucking dramatically that it's like when an old person comes on and just says, the special effects in King Kong, the black and white one, were really the tits, Jimmy! You know, like, like how are you supposed to respond to that? Just be like, yeah, claymation. That was pretty fucking cool back in the day, right? There was a guy in a suit for Godzilla. You see, they they had the, like, I I feel like some fucking crone who's just like, well, they used the CGI for the scenes when he's dodging the debris. And and did you know he really caught all that shit in the lunchroom scene? Took him 157 takes. There's little things that that I really like about the the first and second Spider-Man movie. And I will go to no lengths to defend Spider-Man 3. That was, that was like a fucking wound in, in, in like, fucking comic book fan history. Because we, we had, like, these two really, like, really flawless superhero movies compared to, the, like, what other superhero movies were being released back in the day. And then they come out with this movie and they're like, and the villain's gonna be, da 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 big drum roll, the Sandman. And we all went, and a fuck? Like, okay, actually, so I'm not gonna lie. I was I was reading these really shitty newspaper comics of Spider-Man, and I just finished the one of the Sandman, like right as I saw the trailer for Spider-Man Three. So I was a little pumped because I just found out about this villain. But uh, at the same time, then I found out that Venom was in it. <laughs> right, and that's who everyone wanted. We wanted either Venom or Carnage. They were the two most popular villains. And at yeah. this point, any good mo- like self-respecting movie franchise stopped at three. We yeah. all assumed there was not going to be a Spider-Man 4. Except yeah. for Star Wars, which somehow stopped at 3, but had three others ahead of the first three. But you realize that they all come in threes, right? All the Star Wars? I mean, they put out four of them now, Disney has. Well, yeah, but like, all the main like storylines, they've all come in threes. One, St- two, three. Or four, five, six, one, two, three, seven, eight, nine. Uh, ima- imagine a family of people, but each generation, instead of having like one normal kid, their bodies are hardwired to have triplets every time. That's Star Wars, okay? They're genetic freaks. Yeah, I, I actually like that. How do we explain Solo and Rogue One? Uh, uh bat- bastards. Once upon, <laughs> once upon a time, there was this fucker named Bob Iger, and he really liked money. And this bitch named Kathleen Kennedy strolled in and was like, what if I told you Lucas was willing to sell for five billion dollars. He sl- he put his cigar out on some little fucking kid chained to his table and Jesus. just went brilliant. <laughs> Solo and Rogue One, those are just like the love affair childs. 
So, yeah, like the sex was like incredible, right? And that's why Rogue One is like the best Star Wars movie. No <laughs> hope. This wants to know your location. I, I I gotta I gotta say your contempt for the Raimi movies is directly mirrored by my contempt for the Mark Webb movies. The Which, thing uh, is, was Mark Webb, Andrew Garfield. Yes. Okay. So I have my piece on the Mark Webb movies is they came out when I was in high school, 2012 through 2014. I was in high school. And the Raimi movies, I'm not kidding. When I was a kid, I did not understand that they were supposed to be teenagers because Tobey Maguire looks like an old horseman that doesn't deserve to be in front of a camera. I'm sorry, Tobey, but I'm not. And so looking at them, I genuinely thought that my parents went to work and ate in a cafeteria when working in their offices. (laughs) Because that's what I thought Spider-Man was about. I thought it was about adults, not kids. I didn't think that he was a fucking high schooler. He's Tobey Maguire. He looks like 40. Your parents are just depressed from, like, credit card debt and, like, the car's breaking down and they can't afford to fix it. And you're like, what's wrong? Are you getting bullied at work? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Oh, my God. I had no baseline for what school was supposed to be like at that time. (laughs) I didn't understand school until middle school. And by then, I'd stopped watching movies. It's weird because I was kind of okay with movies as a kid. I was way more into direct-to-DVD stuff, Hot Wheels movies, Bionicle movies. Those were cool to me. Growing up, I grew out of movies. I kind of grew out of TV. And I stopped really caring about them. I was doing stuff outside. I was playing with toys. And then I got back into movies only around, like, high school. So, I mean, I don't know. I just really... I just really was out of the movie landscape to the degree where I didn't even know that there was more Spider-Man movies until Christmas of 2012 when my uncle brought The Amazing Spider-Man 1 with him. And we watched it. And I was like, wow... This is kind of like the Spider-Man I remember, but I actually think he's in high school now that I know what high school's like. Yeah, right. <laughs> because, like, the echoes of the memory were still, like, I didn't believe that it was a high school setting, and I still couldn't when I rewatched the original Raimi Spider-Man. I just really fucking hate the casting of Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. Because when I saw Andrew Garfield for the first time in movies, it was The Social Network. Yeah. The 2010 movie. So I'm picturing him as Eduardo Saverin, right? As this... fuck you, flip-flops. Yeah, yeah. Like, like... <laughs> He's, he's this big shot fucking guy who made $500,000 in a summer betting oil futures. And then he's like fucking wisecracking Peter Parker. And there was all this buzz coming out beforehand where they're like, I don't know if you've read a Spider-Man comic before, but did you know Peter's supposed to crack a bunch of jokes? In this movie, Spider-Man's going to be a stand-up comedian. And I'm just like, okay, that's fine. Like, I'm glad that Spider-Man's like, you know, making fun of people more often. And then I see it and I'm just like, I don't buy that this guy's in high school at all. I had the opposite effect. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, neither of them were particularly great interpretations, but the Raimi films had, like, Raimi-level camp, which I can't stand. Ah. And then the web films had, like, really decent action to watch, particularly the first one. There's a really good scene where they're all, like, fuck, where the lizard's in the school fighting around, and Spider-Man's kind of dodging and kind of getting people out of the way. Stanley almost gets hit by a table. Oh, yeah. I am the table! <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like, I loved the first Amazing Spider-Man. Now that I understand, Whoa, I loved it. Now that I and I, I felt the same way, but now that I understand film, I see all of the flaws of the Amazing Spider-Man. But if you were to put a gun to my head and make me choose, I would absolutely watch the Amazing Spider-Man one over like the original Spider-Man. We got an L word about the Amazing Spider-Man. Your world and mine could be like the farthest apart circles on a Venn diagram right now. Do you, under, do you Explain remember? yourself. Austin, I loved it. I totally related to Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. I... It's because he skateboarded, isn't it? Partly. Like, he skateboarded. Like, I took it as he's no, not so much a nerd, but he's more just like a social outcast. I related to that a bit more. Um, I loved the action scenes. I thought that uh, Andrew Garfield's choreography was incredible. Like, he actually looked like a freaking spider. There yeah. were, it was that, like, the very first uh, fight scene when he's chasing that guy um, right after his uncle's killed, and he's like, when was the last time you were in Queens? And, like, he's going through the alley. Like, there's this moment, I'll never forget it, it was, like, smoke, and it was, like, on the rafters, right? And he was just crawling on it, and it actually looked like he was a spider. I thought that was so awesome. Fuck. And the thing about Andrew Garfield was he's... he's 
skated. He's done parkour. Like, he is fit. So that's how I've heard of Andrew Garfield. He's I didn't alive. see the social network. He's kind of live, yeah. So, I've, I've not seen it either. I've seen it late. I've seen it eventually, but at that time, I have not seen the social network. Not me. <laughs> and it, Social Network's a great movie. You should totally see it. But the story between uh, Gwen and Peter, I thought that was written pretty well. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the humor was really... I thought it was kind of snarky, but not so much in your face. It and feels rude, New Yorker, but yeah. it's kind of grounded because it's in New York, so you can kind of excuse it. Yeah, I lo- I thought it was really great. Ultimately, it's like I see its flaws now, but at the time, I definitely enjoyed it, and I kind of liked the angle they were going with it, particularly the suit design. A lot of people lambasted it, but I liked how it came together, and I thought that using sunglass lenses as the actual lens of the mask was genius because, like, opaque white is not an easy thing to make a one-way look-through. Yeah. Color, like so I, just using I really... gold and mirrored sunglass lenses as the basis wasn't a bad idea. Yeah. The rest of it was kind of like, oh, there's no way he could have made that over the course of like a couple weeks. Yeah. And there's incorrect motivations, like Peter Parker's reason for becoming Spider-Man is to get revenge on his uncle's killer. I uh, really like Electro's motivations in the Amazing Spider-Man Two. Amazing he Spider-Man was... Two was garbage. <laughs> it was a awful movie, and I saw it more than I saw most other movies in theaters. I saw it twice. I ended up on like not dates, but hanging out with friends. We just went to go see it. <laughs> Isn't that the movie where Academy Award winner Jamie Fox gets pissed off at Spider-Man because he doesn't remember him? Yeah, it's surpri- <laughs> it's surprisingly less than that somehow. It is not that. It is because when Electro either accidentally or intentionally zaps something, Spider-Man gets these people out of the way of whatever Electro zapped, and then all of the cameras focus on Spider-Man, and that's what pisses Electro off, because he wants to be noticed, not Spider-Man. Which is stupid! Also, he probably was angry that they fixed the gap in his teeth. Oh, God. There's a straight-up shot that focuses on the electricity moving the teeth together. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. (laughs) I don't know why. Oh, my gosh, I completely forgot about that. Why is that in the movie? At least Rhino's a mech suit, which is slightly more agreeable than a giant man the size of Colossus just roaming around. I'm glad that they uh, chose to save Paul Giamatti's Rhino. Like, (laughs) like they bookended the movie with that. They're like, this is totally acceptable behavior. Fuck having, like, an intimate scene with our characters or anything nice, like, a, a normal cliffhanger. But he has to be back to Spider-Man. I know. It was just like, what? Like, that. I was so confused at the ending. I actually remember um, one of my friends, he was cutting it really close to where he had to go to work, right? Yeah. So, and we heard that there were going to be all these villains in Spider-Man too. So, like, right at the funeral scene, and then we realized that there's more, I look at my friend, and he has, like, 15 minutes to get to work. I was just like... Dude, I think you need to go. I think you need to go to work. I don't think you're going to finish this movie. So then... (laughs) So he was getting pissed, and he left. And then, like... Not even two minutes later. Yeah, like, two minutes later, the movie's done. (laughs) And, like, we couldn't drive yet, so my mom had to come pick us up. So I felt so bad, because he totally could have made the last two minutes of this movie. (laughs) But I thought that there was going to be so much more, because it just ended so horribly. Uh, Yes, because of all the movies in the world that deserve to be three hours, it wasn't Avengers Endgame. It was (laughs) Mark Webb's Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh, my God. I I mean, I can't believe that your friend missed the alcoholic from sideways in a rhino mech. I know, like, it was it was bad, but I just remember that moment just being like, oh my gosh, there's gonna be like 30 more minutes of this movie, isn't there? You, you know me, you I was like, just no, sitting there, two. and I see Paul Giamatti from 12 Years a Slave, and I'm just like, you know what, I've always wanted to see him in a rhino mech. That was the most distracting thing about 12 Years a Slave. I was like, man, none of these people are in rhino mechs. And Mark Webb granted my wish. Mark Webb, you beautiful hero. Yeah. <laughs> just fucking... Somewhere, like, Paul Giamatti's just like, I'm a serious actor, damn it! And, like, he's shouting it into, like, oblivion and no one knows why. They're like, Paul, you alright? And he's like, I just got a feeling. Sorry, I just wanted to be in a rhino mech. <laughs> but but we, we eventually, like, made it past, like, the sort of corny and sometimes up. Uh, it, there was an interview that Willem Dafoe gave to YouTube, but it was one of those videos, I forget the publication, but it's where he breaks down his most famous roles. And he was breaking down on how shooting Spider-Man 1, there's a scene where he's talking into a mirror, and the sort of, like, tonal despair between various
hilarious beats in the scene were like verging on like comedy to like really crazy horror movie mm-hmm. which yes. is like a trademark of Sam Raimi let's be very clear and and then you have the Mark Webb movies which are sort of mumblecore and then sort of like this really <laughs> slick like overproduced like you know fucking early 2000s it's just okay like, you can say they're the film versions of Post Malone I, I don't know, man. They're, they're not like, there's not a scene where a character like marches out of a swamp of nacho cheese. So I don't know if I can compare it to like Austin Post's work. But, but then we get this, uh, the, the, the magnificent thing that everybody's been calling for. And there's sort of the air of mystery. Like what happens if we give Spider-Man back to Marvel? Because at that point, Marvel had made like what? 13 successful movies. Yeah. It was civil war. which was their Civil War was the 13th. They were basically going to be like, all right, Civil War, 13th film in the MCU. We need something big. It's all, I mean, it's Civil War, so it's already big. It's basically an Avengers ensemble movie. They did the directors, the fucking Mad Men, because talks had broken down to make an Amazing Spider-Man 3 due to creative differences between Sony and Mark Webb and uh, Andrew Garfield's rather, uh, rather interesting take on what they can do with Spider-Man, such as making Michael B. Jo- casting Michael B. Jordan as a version of Mary Jane so that Spider-Man could be bisexual. What? And then, uh, then right. the actor for uh, Captain Stacy was like, there was possibly discussion of a potion that could bring back Spider-Man's loved ones, and then Captain Stacy would reappear. And <laughs> so you kind of get the feeling that Spider-Man Three was Amazing. Spider-Man Three would have gone off the rails no matter what happened. So, oh yeah, no, I'm point, so happy they didn't continue. It. At this point, they're just like, all right, well, two flopped hard. We assembled seven composers to make our uh, to make our score, and the score oh wasn't God. that great. They seven? had they released no six and they released it under like the pseudonym the magnificent six it was like junkie xl and five others but it was it was way too much they spent way too much money on amazing spider-man 2 didn't see the returns because they didn't have merchandising rights that's (laughs) fun a funny thing sony has not had the merchandising rights to spider-man since i think they sold off some extra stuff in an effort to keep the movie rights they sold the merchandising rights back to Disney. Wow. Really? Yes. But if you don't have the merch, how is Amy Pascal supposed to get her cocaine? Exactly. So that she that can make... make more Spider-Man movies. <laughs> that actually makes sense because I was in um, Florida uh, last Christmas, and when I was down there, we went to uh, downtown Disney, and I was seeing all this merchandise for Into the Spider-Verse. Really? Yeah, and I was really, I was sitting there and I was really wondering, I was like, how are they able to sell Into the Spider-Verse merch because it's not a Disney movie? But, you know, now that you're saying that they have the merchandising rights to Spider-Man... Yeah. It probably is all run, gone through Disney, isn't it? So that, yeah, Damn. pretty much. They deliberately shaft uh, Spider-Man merch for movie tie-ins, uh, kind of as a kickback to Sony. And now that they have the TV rights as well, they're more focused on making their animated garbage TV shows <laughs> merchandised yeah. to hell and back. Yeah. Well, we, we finally, after, you know, those two sort of directors that, like, fizzled out in the end, we got, you know, the the, the fabled coming of Marvel and, and you know, dipping their hand in despite making Spider-Man It's movies. what they did to Ant-Man, so why can't they do it to Spider-Man? And lo and behold, the fucking mad lads, the Russo brothers, and they do Spider-Man justice with a ten-minute cameo that is incredible across the board. He, he participates in one of the best fight scenes in MCU history. Yeah. Despite the bland color palette and holds holds his own yeah. civil war i was really getting sick of marvel around that time yes me too and then civil war ooh, it brought me right back age of ultron fucked my shit up like yeah. i left that theater disparaged it, age of ultron previously held the record for most seen movie in theaters until spider-verse because that summer i was just home with my friends and it was one of the last summers we were all in kansas city together for the whole time and so we fucked off to the movie theater and saw Age of Ultron seven times and Ant-Man three different times. How did you sit through that piece of shit seven times? Because I really liked Hawkeye and I can stomach pieces of shit as evidenced by the fact that I'm totally okay watching The Amazing Spider-Man 2. God. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I needed something like Civil War. I can't tell you how big my like the smile on my face got when Iron Man was just like, Captain America's like, please don't kill my best friend. And Iron Man's like, I don't care. He killed my mom. And I'm like, whoa, I haven't, right? got, I haven't gotten this feeling from a Marvel movie in like a long time. And oh, it was so cool. Yeah, it was cool. But like Spider-Man was handed off to them and it was basically, Spider-Man is in the MCU now. There is no going back on this. So oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. 
eventually they uh, they they get to release Spider-Man: Homecoming, and uh, they finally got a feature where Spider-Man is a Spider Boy. <laughs> That's that's the miracle of the newest Spider-Man movies. Uh, yeah. They finally did enough R&D that they found somebody who's old enough that they can direct him to do difficult things. Stunt work, the whole nine yards. But he looks like he's authentically passable as a high school student. Yeah, I really do feel like Tom Holland is like the most Peter Parker. John Watts Peter is Parker. the director of Homecoming and Far From Home. Oh yeah, John Watts. I really do feel like that um, Tom Holland is the best representation of Peter Parker that we've had just because like he does look like he's in high school one. Yes. And then also they've... Because what I really liked about Amazing Spider-Man mm-hmm. is how Andrew Garfield kind of took this new take on the nerd, but Tom Holland didn't really take a new take on the nerd. They were just freaking nerds, but they totally <laughs> modernized it. Because, <laughs> of course, he's a genius level, so he gets into a school where everyone is a nerd. Yeah. There's no stupid people in that school. Like, even Flash Thompson is shown to be, like, on the deca- academic decathlon because they're all smart. Yeah. <laughs> That's the that's the fun part about Marvel movies is they sort of uh, they, they try to shy away from the more just like you know like like out, overdone stereotypes of filmmaking past like every lazy stereotype that you can think of is just like totally tossed out the window. They're gonna have a scene where like you know his like like they, they took the fucking old aunt and made her hot. Marissa <laughs> Tomei's casting was pretty good. My oh thing, yeah, my thing with a, a Spider Man Homecoming was. If you really focus down and look at comics that inspired it, almost all of Peter's backstory for like his school setting and the people that he interacts with, all of that is rooted in the Miles Morales Ultimate it is. comics. Yeah. Peter had nothing like that. Peter was never at a gifted school. Peter was always significantly more cocky. The MCU Parker is basically his school life is a retread of Miles Morales in that he goes to a school for gifted kids. He's really smart. He has friends that know about his spider secret and he talks to them and it's still updated to be kind of, there's still elements of the Peter Parker life. Uncle Ben is gone and is never referred to by anything. It's still Aunt May at its core. It's still like ultimate Miles Morales is the baseline for what they build off of to Mm -hmm. make MCU Peter Parker. Which is good. I think it's a good reimagining that kind of lets more twists occur. I've got this thing about the villains from Far From Home and Homecoming, because people can remember the Raimi movies fondly, especially the first two, because Parker gets close to the people who end up trying to fucking murder him. Mm -hmm. You know, like Doc Ock, he's like his lab assistant or something, and um, Harry Osborn is like this dude who's like, I'm rich and I think you're smart, Peter. I'm something of a scientist myself, you know. (laughs) Like, like it's heartbreaking when Spider-Man ultimately finds out that these, like, heartless fucking monsters that he has to stop and, like, throw into a tiny sun or impale with their own glider are, like, people who are, like, his friend's parents. Well, (laughs) Doc Ock sacrificed himself to save Peter Parker in a moment of uh, self-understanding. But anyway. It was, was like, that was the thing that people remember fondly about the Raimi movies, because when you're a kid, you don't see too hard into the artifice of, like, how Sam Raimi's fucking like joking around with his own movie and so you're just like you're, you're not distracted by that shit you're like man that would suck if I had to kill my friend's parents how would I explain that to James Franco if he was my friend he would just say this pie is delicious <laughs> so good and so that's that's what's amazing about the new Spider-Man movies is the artifice isn't distracting in fact it's really endearing like they use a lot of really like well-balanced Marvel whittled down formulaic like filmmaking things. I still think that Homecoming's twist with the Vulture is one of the best things that's ever been put on film. That was was really cool. It was so good but at the same time it was layered in such a way that there are ways to execute surprise twists horribly where you don't see them coming and you can't see them coming. Whereas this one it like there's not real outright hints but they're very subtle in there. And it works really well. It's just funny because, like, I, I'll rewatch Homecoming and now knowing that Michael Keaton is evil. He, sorry, knowing that he's the dad. It's just so weird, like, going back and seeing just, like... Because there are so many hints throughout the entire thing. But mm-hmm. then in the end, you're just like, oh, yeah. No, like, that was there, that was there. But that totally doesn't make sense, actually. 
Like, I could totally see how I would miss that, like, every time. And, and the villain motivation from Homecoming, you know, my little commie ass loved it. <laughs> I, I'm like, yeah, workers' rights, fuck it. You, you put on that vulture suit and you drop people from great heights until they die. Like, you, the, the fuck, uh, the government fucked you, okay? You appropriate that alien tech. Fuck Tony Stark. <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it, they took the parts of the movies that everybody remembers fondly, but, you know, the other parts of the movie didn't age well around it. Like, you can remember, like, going through a house and being like, yeah, that house is cool. It has an elevator in it. Then you return from it when you're not, like, to the house when you're not six six years old, and you're like, oh, this elevator smells like cigarettes. You know? And then you, you go to Homecoming, and it's like, okay, we, we installed Windows 10 on this fucking 1994 ThinkPad, and we've got it running the same exact program, but it's nice now. <laughs> like, 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 we still get, uh, in Far From Home and in Homecoming, they have these villains that Spider-Man, like, has a personal attachment to, just like the first two villains in the Raimi movies, except they don't have dumb scenes where people turn into CG skeletons out of nowhere. Yeah, instead we get one of... Uh, uh, people lambast Homecoming for having no, like, good action scenes, but I still maintain that being on the plane, the Vulture is never more terrifying as he's using these giant wings to claw his way down the canopy of a plane, flying at cruising altitude towards a kid. <laughs> the one thing I hated about Homecoming was um, the, the scene where... Michael Keaton shoots that guy and then they play it off as a joke. It's the only death in the movie and it's like weird. It's it's so out of place for me. I really didn't like that scene. Yeah, like, that's fair. I was just like, it would have been one thing if he felt remorse. It would have been another thing if he like meant to do that. But like they kind of just like pussied out and chose to do neither of them. Because they went... So first, it was an accident because he says, I thought this was the anti-gravity gun, right? So then it's like, oh no, now he's going to like be horrified that he accidentally killed this guy. Right. But then he goes, eh, whatever, hide the body. So then if he it's just would have... Really hide the body so much or, as get the Roomba out. Yeah, whatever he says, right? Get the Roomba out, whatever. I forget, Why don't evil I villains have like Roombas in their warehouses? That would be hilarious. That would be like, great. I, I forget exactly <laughs> what he says, though. But like... He's, he's he, just like, he just hands it to the black guy and is like, you're the shocker now. Yeah. And, and he's, he's just, just like, like, oh. So, like, he... They, again, they just chose to go neither of the ways. And it just felt awkward. Like, that scene, I hated it. Well, That's but, fair. I didn't really mind it, but I totally understand where you're coming from there. I have this conspiracy that Marvel movies are actually written in modules. Like, every... Like, they, they say that Marvel movies are quote-unquote formulaic, but I believe in these people enough to know that there are modular components that need to be installed, like, in a computer to create a Spider-Man script for, for that you turn into Marvel executives. If you have seven movies and, like, several of them are or reusing beats from previous, it's starting to get obvious. Because Far From Home and Homecoming are taking what worked about the Raimi movies and what worked about the Mark Webb movies and what worked about, like, the old series and even, like, starting to take lessons from Spider-Verse, although it's that one's not it, as apparent yet. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be honest. So, sorry. They're taking lessons from the MCU. They're taking lessons like, from everywhere. Yeah, it, it's it's not they're taking influence from other Spider-Man movies. They're taking influence from the MCU. I'm sure that there's other <laughs> Spider-Man DNA in I there, mean, though. yes. Well, dig this. Like, so, there's, there's the scene where Michael Keaton's character fucking dusts a dude. And then there's the scene in the like new movie. Rust, there's, oh, there's the scene in the new movie where Jake Gyllenhaal is, uh, he has the same moment. Like, it's the exact same module, just different characters in a different scenario. Uh, you know, he's like, up till now, he's just kind of been like, okay, I'm a guy who thinks Tony Stark's a cunt and I, like, love my crew. And then there's the scene where they're like, nope, we gotta make him unsympathetic, like, real unsympathetic. So they have this scene where he's in a warehouse wearing that dumbass mocap suit, and he's just like, hey, uh, I, you know, now that we've made one mistake, I'm gonna get a bullet in the brain from Samuel L. Jackson. Do you want a bullet in the brain person who previously used to be my trusted sidekick? You know, it's, it's like the same, you can tell these are, like, the same exact pages that they just scratched random shit out and just replaced the dialogue. They're like, alright, it's like the third line he's got to say something threatening and yet it's still kind of effective it's it, it works in the context of the movie and that like even then his basic motivation first off is that tony called his project barf which is hilarious sure and then well, it wasn't just that well it wasn't just that he got fired after like getting angry with it and then 
Well, they didn't he, see eye to eye, and then he stole the invention without giving credit, yes. him, and then he called it barf. Yes, <laughs> and then, well, not only that, but he was fired for also being considered mentally unstable. Oh, yeah, which by he kind of glosses uh, over, but it's very apparent. Yeah. Mysterio was really well executed. Jake Gyllenhaal played it off really well. I The moment that he got the glasses, I'm like, how long are they going to leave the cards under the table? And as soon as Peter leaves the bar, the cards are on the table. The movie did not treat anyone like an idiot. They knew that trying to hold it any longer was going to just make it seem like they thought the audience was stupid. In the same pan shot where Peter walks away through a window in the bar, we see it keep panning over to Jake Gyllenhaal and the, the holograms just start going away. That was really cool. Yeah. That was really cool. All the scenes with Mysterio had me going, wow, this is a really hostile acid trip. Like, <laughs> like af- after the reveal, right? all of the, the special effects, I was just thinking, because uh, Spider, this, the Marvel Spider-Man movies deceive me with how far they're willing to go into being a little bit transgressive like I'm never expecting them to begin as funny as they are and I'm never expecting them to get as fucking freaky as they get zombie Iron Man is a mildly horrifying image zombie Iron Man was crazy I'm glad I didn't see this movie high I'm glad I (laughs) I did oh no Daniel, are you okay? <laughs> I'm fine. It was great. Fuck. Those Mysterio scenes, you remember. They were awesome. It's right at the end when he's running at Jake Gyllenhaal's down the fucking tunnel. Jake Gyllenhaal's. And he's, he's like, they cut the sound design down to like, I don't even know what the bass line is allowed to be for like studio movies. I guess it's just low level pink noise. I, mean, like, they I cut, mean, they went completely silent for The Last Jedi, so they'll they'll do anything. They cut like everything out of the mix. They cut when, everything except for any time Spider-Man touches a surface. And it was fucking nuts! Yeah. The Peter Tingle. (laughs) Every joke in Homecoming landed. I couldn't think of a single one looking back at it that didn't seem funny. I was disappointed by the lack of larb. (laughs) Just wasn't enough larb in this. I think he larbs you. It's really larb. Larb. This this stuff is really larby today. (laughs) Jesus Christ, larb. the, the, The jokes landed Almost, uh, almost just every single time for me. Mm-hmm. I there, there was not a single one where I was like, "Ooh, who wrote that?" The beginning editing is fantastic, especially as video people who know how how stupid funny it is to just devolve your video to bad editing when a blockbuster summer July blockbuster is willing to do that. That is really funny. <laughs> Their response to like, okay, this is the first movie after Endgame. We totally blew our wad all over the sheets. How are we going to clean this up? They're just like, how about a montage set to Whitney Houston's cover of Dolly Parton's song, I Will Always Love You. And it's just got... And Holy fuck! Th- and then it ends with a uh, Getty Images branded video of candles. It was, it was pretty great. It was pretty great. It was fantastic. I, I told Jackson about this, but I was having a shit day and didn't want to see a Spider-Man movie. And that movie decided to begin with one of its funniest jokes. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was a joke, like, what, 12 years in the making? Like, you have to follow the whole thing up to Endgame. You're exhausted. You don't even know if this is going to go well. And then it's like, here's how we're going to deal with that. <laughs> What I really liked was the, um... It took the uh, horror of everybody. the marching band disappeared and then just oh in the middle of the basketball game. <laughs> everybody was... I, oh, I thought that was the funniest thing. Apparently <laughs> one of the guys that get, that like undust. It's funny because it looks so stupid on cell phone footage, the dusting. It's, exactly. <laughs> that That's why I loved it. It was, oh my but God. But then apparently in the middle of the basketball game, one of the guys just gets donked in the head as soon as he reappears by the ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. They just, they just, just, like oh, loaded so up funny. a shotgun with laughs for the opening of the movie. Yeah. Just like, cause we're, we have to deal with Endgame, so we might as well make it as f- hilarious as possible. And then the guy was just like, "Yeah, like my younger brother is now older than me." That- but and even though we had already taken midterms, we had to start the whole year over. That, Thanks, Blips. That is some fucking galaxy brain shit. How they oh, chose to I deal would, with Endgame. I'd game. kill myself. <laughs> yeah, I, if I had to retake an entire year after I took midterms, <laughs> I'm ending it. Oh, no. You're, you're not even really <laughs> conscious to what happened. You know? <laughs> exactly. I just feel like you're telling me that five years just went by. Like, everybody has moved on five years without me, so I'm going to come back. I'm going to have, like, nothing. I'm going to have, like, no friends or whatever. And oh. on top of that... I have to restart my entire year in high school. I lost I'm, I'm, four I'm months. I lost four months of a high school year. I lost a year of my life. You <laughs> lost five years. It's five years, but six years then because you have to retake school. 
Yeah, but I mean, like, they were only halfway through the school year, so it was really four months. Done. Yeah. <laughs> just, just time to pop all of my Xanax and sneak yeah. them off the cabinet. Just, just, this is the part where I play that Harry Nilsson song, I Can't Live If Living Is With Midterms. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, it, oh man, as a palate cleanser, Far From Home was, oh like, really great to kind of, like, cap off the uh, third phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe because it opens the avenue for so much more and it kind of proves that there's not really going to be a true legacy fulfillment of Tony Stark and it's really going to be a mantle not carried by Spider-Man or any one hero but it's probably going to be a collective effort but the point of Far From Home was using a solo Spider-Man movie we need to prove that these heroes need to operate on their own terms and then of course we get J.K. Simmons back in the end credit scene because we're just going for all of the spoilers that's that's just like a really fun brick joke. Play, playing just Alex J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> J. J. Jones Jameson. <laughs> just, just, he comes on and he's just like, this Spider-Man is a menace. Why my brain pills? <laughs> just... <laughs> When, when, when Alex, when, when, when uh, fucking, when J.K. Simmons comes on and uh, fucking Mr. Not My Tempo is back in a Spider-Man movie, I was like, no way. I just said that in the theater. I didn't give a fuck who was hearing me. I was kind of, like, disappointed because he went bald, so he can't have the hair. But it's like, whatever. He's clearly going for an Alex Jones vibe, which is, like, the best Hilarious. way to do J. Yeah. Jonah. It's what they did in Spider-Man PS4. He just shows up on, like, radio broadcasts as a former journalist that's been booted out because he's so anti-Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> so that he has to do his own, like, his own, like, local CV radio sh- podcast show. There was one thing that I won't forgive them for. So after that scene, right, I, I turned to Jackson in the theaters, and I just went, I know it's gonna happen after and during the next end credit scene. And I thought for sure that they were gonna bring back Tobey Maguire and he was gonna say pizza time. Pizza time. And you're the worst for thinking. <laughs> because there was that petition that got started. Yeah, and it's I stupid. It I don't want to see that man on film again. Pizza time. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, there, sorry. There, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, Spider-Man movies do this weird thing where they've kind of been at the forefront of a few movements, right? Mm-hmm. Like Spider-Man, the, the original ones were like, oh, we can make superhero movies and we can make them in a way where like critics like them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. uncontroversial. At the time, we it was can, uncontroversial. We like can actually Spider-Man throw one. big budgets. We don't have to make the Captain America 1990 movie where the ears are fake part of the mask because they couldn't figure out how to cut the ears and not have the integrity of the mask fall apart. What? Uh, the 1990 Captain America movie's Blu-ray case is a nightmare to look at. Oh, God. <laughs> and then there's the there's the new Spider-Man where they got Far From Home uh, that's such a good movie that it was able to counterbalance the weight of the fucking Infinity Stone saga. Mm-hmm. Like, they were able to bounce back from the biggest fucking thing ever constructed in a Hollywood, like, film series. Three mm-hmm. straight hours of Avengers movie. And and they just came right back from it, just what, like, okay, we have we have one guy who we can trust to kind of, like, ease you back into us doing solo albums. And somehow <laughs> it fell to John Watts, who executed it perfectly. And then we have the other Spider-Man movie that we've, like, mentioned very little here, that also did something fucking monumental. It basically changed the face of animation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we as much as we give praise to stuff like Spider-Man Far From Home, it's no contest Spider-Verse was, is the best Spider-Man Into movie. the Spider-Verse is if not the best Spider-Man movie, the best superhero movie made recently. Wouldn't that imply that other Spider-Man... Never mind. I can see where the... What I'm saying is... The dialogue got mixed up. What I'm saying is uh, Black Panther, get the fuck out. Iron Man, (laughs) get the fuck out. We got Black Uh, Spider-Man now. We have Black Spider-Man now. But no, seriously, Into the Spider-Verse, if not the best Spider-Man movie, one of the best superhero movies. Jake Johnson is my Peter Parker. <laughs> it was it was such a good fucking movie that uh, oh my god I was serious I would have seriously been be- better off that night at the Oscar party we went to if Into the Spider Verse had taken Best Picture I don't I can't think of a better movie that came out that year yeah like I, mean, I really was not following a lot of other movies but like what I have seen like Spider Verse was just so good. The only movie I saw uh, in, I, well, to preface, I saw Spider-Man Into the Fi- Spider-Verse 13 times in theaters. Fuck me. Yeah. That, that, I determined after I saw it the first time, I got into it early, like two weeks ahead of its release. I just happened to stumble upon a showing at Ronnie's, and I bought a ticket, and I went, 
and it was awesome. And I determined after that movie, I'm like, I have to see this as many times in theaters as I physically can. Thankfully, it was in theaters right up until its Blu-ray release because it was that popular. Jackson, my so electric good. bill last month cost less than $130. <laughs> Jesus. <No. laughs> oh my God. I, I remember seeing the test footage that came, or the teaser trailer for Into the Spider-Verse. I, mm. I remember looking at that and just going, what? Like I, I was just stunned. I couldn't believe it. Something, it, something. It was oh, it was beautiful from it was the beginning. Beautiful. You knew it was going to be something special as soon as yeah. they announced it. And it helps that Lord and Miller were at the helm. Sorry. They're they're kind of animation's best workers right now as far as directing narratives that are incredible and writing them. Well, Lord and Miller weren't directors; they were writers and producers. So all you really need them on is is writers. You know, making them directors kind of seals the deal. But mm -hmm. you know, if you have them on as writers, at least I don't think they've ever put out a bad screenplay. Yeah, they did it in the Lego Movie. They did it for Lego Movie Two. They did it for Twenty One and Twenty Two Jump Street. It's the I walking out of uh, into the Spider Verse. I just kind of looked over at Sid, and I was just like, I think that's the first comic book movie. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, yeah, definitely. There's there's like our definition of movie based on comic books, adapted from comic books. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is a comic book somebody made, but instead of just drawing panels, they just drew frames of movie, and they drew 24 a second, and they gave it to us. Well, It's, it's just a really big fucking comic book, mm -hmm, and yeah. I, I've never seen anything like it. And it's, it was so cool. It's crazy that Spider-Man keeps ending up in these places where he changes the face of movies or greatly helps, you know, push along Hollywood canonically. Yeah. Like, what, what's the fucking deal? It's just a dude with spider powers. Why do we keep doing this to ourselves? Because I think he represents kind of one of the best characters that America's ever made. He's one of the most relatable people out there. And yeah. especially with the emphasis that anybody can be Spider-Man that previously comic books and now into the Spider-Verse has forced upon the world to, like, open their eyes and see... If they didn't get it before, anybody can be Spider-Man. That's kind of what the Amazing Spider-Man did wrong, and they focused on how the spider powers were really something that would have only worked for Peter Parker because he had the same blood type that, uh, well, not blood type, but it was basically his dad used his dad used his dad's DNA. So, Peter Parker's dad used his oh, DNA yeah. to experiment Jeez. with the spiders. I forgot about the Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, no, it was the midichlorians of the yeah. Spider-Man movies. So, that's kind of where the issues came up with The Amazing Spider-Man. And they fixed it, gone back on it, and, like, fixed it completely. Although I still would not be opposed to a live-action Spider-Verse with all three of the original actors, as long as we see G. Jake Gyllenhaal onto, to onto Tobey Maguire. I honestly <laughs> would not be as big of a fan... Of um, oh wait, wait, are you talking? I'm sorry. If we were to have like Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, and Tobey Maguire in a movie together in like their own version of Spider Verse, be it a spinoff or somehow they fix it into the MCU, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing that. I mean, yeah, because no. there's legacy. But... Like, that'd be kind of funny, but like, yeah, I think that the Spider-Man movies as a whole have been a massive failure because they ignored the one part that made the comics work for me. Hmm. And it was from Amazing Spider-Man issue 182 where this guy, Jackson Wheel, embezzled money from his company. <laughs> and he kind of stressed out. And he, he had this guy try to, you know, get away this evidence that would, like, fuck him over. And the guy was just like, no, I'm just gonna blackmail you with this. So Jackson Wheel goes to the guy who, like, provided the guy blackmailing him with his tech. And he's like, hey, can you make me, like, a supervillain, like, suit? And the guy's like, I got something better and he became the big wheel the big wheel the big wheel a guy with you know who could roll up buildings and shoot guns at people from his big wheel so what did Ms. what did uh, far from home do cast jake gyllenhaal an orb <laughs> an orb on his head stealing a wheel made roll <laughs> this is wheel erasure in hollywood <laughs> We uh we were talking about this in the pool because I was voicing my serious concerns about Big Wheel not being in the <laughs> Spider-Man movies. And lo and behold, the movie was not as good as it could have been if they just embraced Big Wheel for the <sighs> ultimate arch nemesis of Spider-Man that he truly is. You and know, Into the Spider-Verse when Miles is fighting the Green Goblin? You yeah. know, it's already big, you know? Why not just put in a wheel? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would have been significantly better than what we had with another goblin. Right? There's too many goblins in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. We have Kevin Spacey. We have Tony McGuire, oh. and now we have the big green goblin voiced by Jorma Taconi. Why don't we have more big wheel? 
<laughs> we, we've got we've got we've got a musical number for you coming up right now uh, related to this topic. That's Great. gonna close out the podcast. Are we done here? Yeah, uh, yeah I guess we're just about done here. Yeah. This is ten percent wheel, twenty percent wheel, fifteen percent concentrated roundness of wheel. 5% tire, 50% wheel, and 100% reason to love big wheel. Wheel. He doesn't need his name up in wheels. He just wants to be wheel, whether it's the tire or wheel. And he feels so unlike everybody else a wheel, in spite of the fact that some people still think that they wheel him, but wheel him. It's not about the wheel. It's all about the wheel. It's all about the wheel and making some wheel. Making a wheel. Making sure his wheel stays up. That means when he wheels it down, wheel is picking it up.